Is that okay now? <laughs> I think that woke me up more than anyone else. So that's, uh, maybe that's for me. That's uh, mostly for me. Yeah, are, are we good now? Yeah, okay. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I, as I was saying, I'm preaching with two Bibles this morning, right? So uh, I think maybe that means something. It, it actually doesn't, but uh, I, I have this, yeah, two different messages at the same time, right? Uh, but yeah, sometimes I have this like reader's Bible and there's no actually like verses written in it. So sometimes I get lost. I definitely need to get a new Bible so that I can preach. Uh, so yeah, it's really cool to be here. And as we were saying before, we're going to be continuing our series in, uh, in Mark. Uh, and today we're going to be looking at Mark uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 16 to 20. And so, I don't know if you remember kind of what we've been doing before, uh, but <laughs> for this, at this point in time for our series, we're actually kind of fast forwarding. So, so next week, we're going to end up going backwards a little bit. And so it's going to be this kind of like Christopher Nolan style kind of series, right? We're just going to like jump around. Uh, Dustin didn't tell me to say that, by the way, so <laughs> that's just me saying that. But next week we are going to backtrack just uh, to some previous verses. But I thought I'd just give you a quick little recap of what's been going on so far in, in Mark. And so Mark is this like, it's kind of like this really to the point style. Um, if you, you can listen through the, the book of Mark in its entirety in just about like an hour and a half or an hour and 40 minutes. And one thing you're going to start to notice if you do that or if you read through it is that the pace changes quite quickly. It's kind of going this, this like point form style and it's like really trying to uh, kind of hammer something home like a message and it's really intense, right? It's like you, you get the impression that this is like really serious stuff. So as we know, we kind of looked back before that uh, how we, you know, how Mark is, is open, it says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God, right? And so you're already kind of setting the stage as to what to expect in this book. And then it goes through this, like talking about John the Baptist, you know, uh, being in the wilderness and then Jesus is, is, is baptized and it's, and it's almost like this, this big kind of like coronation ceremony for him. And then from there, he goes on to call his first disciples. And so... I will read from um, verse 16 to verse 20. Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So, yeah, that's um, <laughs> kind of just right off the bat. The first thing that kind of really grips me in this passage is that you see their response like one of, one of the words that I kind of highlight here is immediately. Uh, you see that Jesus comes to them, he approaches them, and he, and he talks to them for a bit, and then, and then he, 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 he's almost like demanding or asking that, he, that they follow him. And immediately, they drop everything, and it's like, it doesn't matter what is going on in their life, like what are they doing, 
the sons of Zebedee literally leave their dad, right? <laughs> They're like, see you, dad. <laughs> I'm gonna go follow Jesus. But that's something like really, really powerful to see. That it kind of goes in line to, to the power of what we see from, from the beginning of Mark as we are kind of, uh, as Pastor Dustin was saying um, in previous sermons, and you're even seeing here, you're still seeing that power. Like Jesus is coming in power and he's calling his disciples and they immediately drop everything and follow him. So yeah, this is gonna be a sermon about discipleship. Um, <laughs> hopefully you're ready for it. And uh, hopefully it's helpful. Hopefully it helps us uh, to kind of understand a bit more as to what is a disciple and what does that mean for our lives. Before I go there, I kind of want to talk to people who aren't necessarily Christian because I know we're, we're talking about discipleship and, you know, sometimes when, when we speak, there's like these like religious terms and, and then we kind of start repeating the same things. And, and sometimes even as Christians, and we're, we're sitting here uh, in the church for our whole lives, we don't even understand what these things mean. So I want to kind of describe um, a disciple right now as as this. uh, So certainly it has religious kind of connotations, uh, but I want to describe it right now as a follower or kind of being um, like you're in the school of learning. It's this apprenticeship, right? So on that note, as a follower, I want to say that even if you don't follow Jesus, you're still following something in your life. So I'm gonna be talking about discipleship here and what it means to follow Jesus, but I just wanna kinda set it to an even playing field. And it's that as people in this world and people in this life, we're always following something. So I'm gonna say that everyone is a disciple or follower or an apprentice of something. And maybe that's not necessarily a specific person, but maybe it's um, a follower of a certain lifestyle, right? Maybe it's you're like this uh, follower or this learner of a specific way and rule to life with these specific goals and pursuits. And guess what? You know who sometimes we're probably actually all following the most? It's culture, right? We're bombarded by it, right? We see so much of what is constantly being told to us and ironically kind of preached to us about this, of of building up this life of self-worth and pursuing everything. Um, like having to fend off other people and, and circumstances all in the name of yourself, right? And that can get tiring, I think. And right, sometimes we see it in, in, in celebrities and we want to imitate the way that they're living. And we think, wow, look at that celebrity person right there. Look how easy life looks. Or look at their influence. Look at their following. Isn't this great? I would love to live like that. But so, but my point is, is just that we all are followers of something and a lot of the times it's, yeah, it's, it could be a person, but it could also be a way of life. And so I just want to kind of set an, an even playing field just to, to say to people, if you're not following Jesus, you're still following something else. So I want to ask you, what is that that you are following? What is it that when you come home from work or when you sit down and when you think about your life goals, right, what is that thing what is that person or what, what, is, what, is, what is that destination that you're trying to reach? So, so what has influence or control in your life, right? So now that I've kind of said that, uh, I think it would probably be helpful if we did return to some scripture because I, I hope by the end of this message, you have some kind of encouragement 
and that you would consider actually Jesus and that you would be a follower of Jesus. So I'm actually gonna go back in time a little bit or a lot um, to try to give you some context. So this is like the favorite part of the sermon for me where I just start butchering some words for you, right? This is the part where I'm like studying and reading and I'm like, yeah, this sounds good in my head. And then when I come and start trying to say something in Greek or Hebrew, it just, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what comes out, right? So, um, <clears throat> so bear with me, right? And uh, maybe laugh if it's really bad, we'll find out. Uh, so, so, you know, here in Quebec, uh, we have a, yeah, this would be really funny if I got this wrong. I, I finished school, I promise. We have this, like, these like three layers of school. Uh, you have uh, elementary school, right? You have uh, high school. Oh, okay, I've already messed this up, right? But anyways, you have these different layers of school, right? And then you go on to, so I was just thinking from high school to university. You have like the CEGEP here, right? In Quebec, we have CEGEP. But you have these different levels of school, right? And you know, in order to kind of move on even to the next grade, you gotta, you know, we graduate or, you know, uh, be successful. Uh, you have to get the passing grade. And, you know, sometimes when you do exceptionally well, there's potentially programs that the really elite people get into, Right? So kind of going back to the time of Jesus, uh, there, were, there were three levels of school. Um, so the first level of school was something called um, Beit Sefir in Hebrew. And that wasn't so bad, right? It, and that means house of book. So this is almost like elementary school and your, your textbook is the Torah, right? Surprising. So you, you would have to kind of study the first uh, five books of the Bible uh, and Usually by like age 12, you would have committed to memory uh, Genesis to Deuteronomy. That's pretty impressive, right? Like that's quite a bit of memorizing. And kind of at, at this level, the vast you know, population or majority of children uh, would stop here. That would be your education. Uh, you'd go on and you know, you'd study the first five books of the Torah, of, 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 the, of the Bible, right? And because you would stop there, and if, and if you were, you know, if you were a woman, uh, you know, you'd be like 12 or like 13, and, and the, the idea of like marriage is approaching for you, and, and being a mother, right? And, and if, you, if you were a boy, well, it's time for you to now learn your father's trade, and carry on the family business, and being able to provide for um, your family, um, and, and the people around you. So that, that's kind of like the vast majority of where people would end up. They would have this first love of school uh, and then they would probably end up uh, you know, being preparing for a family or, or learning their father's trade so that they can continue on the family business. Now there's this um, second level of school, I guess you can say for people who graduated or I mean, they would all finish. But this is for the, almost like already we're getting to this concept of, of the, uh, the really successful achievers, right? Um, almost like the elite. They're, they're like killing it. Um, they're really successful. They're doing really good in school. Um, and this, would, uh, this part, stage of school would be for, for, for the men only. And, and it would, you would have this chance to kind of go deeper. Uh, you would spend time learning now the uh, Tanakh. And that would be from, you know, they would, and the goal would be that you would actually have Genesis to Malachi memorized by then. And this is only, and, and, and basically during that, that time, uh, you would also have to raise money. So this is also now a question of wealth. If your village had enough money, then you would go to a rabbi, uh, you know, or a scribe or a Pharisee, and you'd want to kind of learn underneath them, okay? And so this is the, the second level of school, uh, Beit Talmud. And then, 
So already at that point, most people are just doing their, their family business and their family trade. There is this next tier, and this is for like the point like zero one zero zero one percent and this is if you were absolutely outstanding like you excelled at that and the other the second level you might be done at around like 15 or 16 and this is but you would go and, and return after that second level and go into your family your, your family's trade you'd be like all right okay i did school a little bit longer now i i studied a little bit more of of of, of scripture and now i'm going to go back home and i'm going to do like the family thing i'm going to take care of the, the family business i'm going to learn from my my dad on on how to carry on the trade but this third level, it was for the elite. Like we're saying like the cream of the crop or like the top notch people. Like, like this, this was for, this stage was called, actually called discipleship. And so you would go now at this point, And if you were just like a genius almost, you would go and you would try to find these rabbis. Okay. And you would follow them around for a bit. You'd follow these rabbis around. And then they would, at some point, I guess if they see that you're worthy or, <laughs> or if you're dedicated enough, they would start to grill you. They'd start to grill you and ask you really specific questions on so-and-so's uh, interpretation of this or what is this about scripture? And they want to test your knowledge. They want to see if you, if you have what it takes, right? And so in that process of following them around, I guess you have to have money to do that, right? Because you're just following them around and hoping that you become a rabbi. Eventually, at some point, the rabbi would say, if they deem that you're worthy and you have the work ethic and whatnot, the the rabbi would say, kind of like, come and follow me, actually. Um, And at that point, that's when discipleship starts. So that's like the elite, elite for school. And your goal would actually be to imitate your rabbi. You would start to, you know, do, do whatever your rabbi does, right? It's like, oh, he's sleeping like that, all right? I'm going to sleep like that. Uh, he's reading it like this, and he's talking like this, and he changes the way he talks. And, and you want to learn his interpretation, because the goal is that you would imitate him. You actually want to more or less become a copycat. You want to learn all of his ways, and then you want to go on. And then eventually, once you've kind of like, you know, mastered this, he would say, go and carry on like your rabbi's work in the, in the world. And you would continue to, um, to go out and, and, I guess, call other people to you. Or other people would come and search for you. And then if you deem them worthy, then they will become one of your disciples. So this is almost like this level of school. So that, that's where this kind of comes from. And this is really like a call to apprenticeship. It's learning from a master or someone who has these skills and that you want to um, also learn in them. So, I'm going to go back now to, um, hopefully that's helpful. <laughs> I'm going to go back now to, to verse 16, uh, going on to 20. And I'm going to read it again to you, okay? Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, and, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So, what do you notice, kind of given that context, what do you notice here? You have um, Simon, you know, Simon Peter, and, and then you have his brother, Andrew, right? And then also you have the sons of Zebedee, right? You have, you have James and John. The fact that they're there fishing with their dad 
or that they're carrying on this trade, that means that if you look at, 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 at we will say their education, I mean, I guess at most, at most, at most, they could have went to level two schooling, but it's most likely they were just ordinary, average people. So that means that they would have kind of only done that first level of school. And so the, the idea of, of following a rabbi is way out there. Like, that's just not possible. They're ordinary men. They've been carrying on the trade for, we don't know how long at this point, right? But they certainly didn't make it to that level of learning. And, and remember, that was something really exclusive for the elite, right? And you would approach a rabbi and you would follow him and you're trying to convince him to kind of, you know, let me in, you know, please, you know, look, I, I studied this and I, I know this much stuff and uh, I can recite this and you taught me this and I, I love it when you do this. This is my favorite thing about you, um, <laughs> right? And then eventually, and if they think that you're, you're, you're worthy and you're worth it, then they're gonna say, okay, come and follow me. Something extraordinary happens here and it's that a rabbi would never approach someone here right? These are men fishing. They're, they're working hard. They're, they're doing their trade. And the rabbi approaches them, not at the synagogue, because if you wanted the uh, most extraordinary and gifted people, you would go to the synagogue. And certainly you would go to the students who are at this third level of school. And you would sit around in the temple all day and you would wait for people to come. And then you can kind of sift them out and say, ah, nah, no, Good, yeah, bad, no, don't like you. But Jesus goes to, <laughs> to these men while they're fishing and he calls them to come and follow him. I mean, at that point, that must have blown their mind, right? Like, like they would be thinking like, I am not worthy, right? Do you know who I am? Do you know what I know? Certainly, I'm not worthy for you to come and pursue me. But that's something really powerful I think that you even see in this is that in this process of discipleship or apprenticeship, Jesus is the one going and pursuing ordinary people. That it doesn't matter from where you come from. It doesn't matter um, what your education is, right? Doesn't matter from what class you're from, Jesus comes and he pursues you. He pursues ordinary people and he tells them to come and follow him. But I want you to also consider something else. So now we're gonna get to something else about the cost of discipleship. Have you ever noticed uh, what these men gave up? Like the stakes are high, think about it. Imagine um, having like a, a family business that's been going on for generations and generations and you're like, you know, we're just fishers, that's what we do. And suddenly, you decide to break that tie. Just like that. Think of the cost, right? They, 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 they immediately, I, I love this, they immediately left their nets and followed him. And, and that, that, was, that was for uh, Simon, Simon Peter and Andrew. And then if you go uh, to um, the sons of Zebedee, it says they left their father in the boat with hired servants. They're like, all right, peace out, dad. <laughs> I, wish you, I wish you the best, we're gone. And they left them with hired servants. And, and, and talk about a demotion. So I wanna give you a little bit more context here. 
I don't think these men were poor at all. They were fishermen. And the diet of that time was like 90% fish. That was the diet supplied to everyone. Right? Like, like Peter had a house in Capernaum as well. Maybe that kind of, you kind of feel that a little bit here, right? Maybe if you're looking for a home in, in Canada or in Toronto or Montreal right now, right? You're like, oh, wow, that's, uh, that's some real wealth, right? But, but, Jesus, but, but, but Peter had a house in Capernaum. And, and even like, so like in the, in the Sea of Galilee and um, this kind of like freshwater fish, this would be viewed as even more of a delicacy, that this would be sought, sought after by people all over um, um, kind of like that area and even going into the Roman world at that time. So, so, so they, they were not just getting by bare bones, right? They had wealth. And, and, and so much so that, that you know, the, the Zebedees, they were able to hire servants to do the work as well. And think about that. They give it up instantly. Like imagine in this world of <laughs> you've, you've worked hard or you've, you've attained this kind of success as a, I don't know, maybe a CEO or like a VP of something. And then someone comes along and offers you what it seems like a demotion and you take it. Like, I'm gonna leave this kind of like standing of higher position and I'm gonna go to something else. Like, imagine being willing to do that. Like, imagine, like, I don't know, one day uh, you're at work and you know this is your livelihood, right? And you're literally willing to just walk out. Like, what would you think in that first context? I'd be like, what, what about the bills? Who's gonna pay the bills, right? Like, <laughs> like I, I gotta work. I'm gonna be hungry later. I gotta eat. So I, I would start to think through the process of what would cost me. This is amazing. These men literally just give it all up, right? So like, on that note, what have you given up to follow Jesus? Like, what do you need to give up? Is there a cost, right? What's the cost for following Jesus? And, 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 if, and if everyone is a disciple or a follower of something or learning from some school of thought or from culture, right? What is it right now that culture is telling you is ultimate? that when you follow Jesus, it means giving it up. No matter if people will look at you like you're crazy or thinking like, what, what are you doing giving more money to help people? That's nuts. Why don't you stack it up and save it for yourself? What do you mean you're a follower of Jesus and it means that now, huh, it's almost like you are living by these restrictions or or you start saying things like, I wanna honor God with all of me and my body and everything, right? Like what, what do you need to say no to in culture? What do you need to risk in terms of even sometimes popularity, right? What status do you need to give up in order to follow Jesus? You know, kind of interestingly enough, right? Like we, we talk sometimes about, about the cost, right? To follow Jesus. 
But, you know, there's, there's even also this, 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 this contrast, right? Because strangely enough, even though they're leaving everything behind, you think that they're, they're, they're fishermen, right? But Jesus tells them that he's going to make them fishers of men. So even at that, even though in that moment they're, they're giving something up, it's like immediately as they're following Jesus, it's almost like flipped upside down that their greatness is, 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 is already there because now they, they were fishermen, but Jesus says he's gonna make them fishers of men, which is, which is amazing, which is, which is crazy. I guess I have another question for you too. Do you remember the time when you were called, right? Now I know that sometimes people growing up in, in uh, I guess like, uh, uh, the Christian faith, or it's like, ah, my, my parents are believers and, you know, it's kind of just what I always remember. All right, fine. I guess that could be the case sometimes. But I'd say like most of the time though, there still has to be a moment in your life when you realize I'm a follower of Jesus. Like I am, like I am learning from him. Like, and, and, I, and I remember the time when I devoted my life to him, Right. Like there, there has to be this, this, this moment because we know that even, even in Jesus' ministry, there were people that were always like, you know, they were curious about Jesus, right? Like, like maybe you're one of the people that's kind of always in the crowd and you've been um, in the religious circle, you've been saying the right things, doing the right things your whole life, but he's always kind of been at arm's length and you've never actually, can, you, you can't think of the moment that you actually followed Jesus, Right? Like even for me, um, like I remember um, when something changed in my heart. I, I was uh, in school, um, elementary school, and it's sometime in like grade three or grade four, towards the end of grade three and the beginning of grade four, I don't know what happened. My mom would always tell me about God and Jesus. Thank you, mom. Um, she was always kind of like preparing my mind with that and she would tell me about him. But there was a certain point where something just, like something just clicked or, or where, some, where everything changed. And somehow in that moment, like the desires of my heart were beginning to be transformed and something changed. I knew that I, I was gonna serve this Jesus and, and, and he just, I just felt his presence. And, and, and I can remember that moment. From that moment on, yeah, there's some, you know, <laughs> there's some ups and downs, right? Like, like discipleship is, is also a process is when, when you think about it. Like, like when, when, when did um, Simon and, and Andrew and James and John become disciples of Jesus, right? It's the moment when they dropped everything and followed him but when did they become mature disciples, right? <laughs> if you kind of, in this kind of epic beginning, as you keep going on in the gospels and you see that they, there's moments when they have these boneheaded arguments, right? Where they start thinking about their own greatness, like where they're secretly going to Jesus, like, yeah, yeah, so, uh, you know, can I sit at your left or your right? Like, which one, right? And then the other disciples are like, come on, what are you doing, right? And they start to argue uh, um, kind of amongst each other. And lately, um, me and my wife have been watching this show called The Chosen. It's pretty cool. But you kind of do see a little bit more of the illustration of just how different these disciples were, right? And the different kind of like life stages and the different um, context they were from. And that you, it, it almost kind of shows a little bit of the friction, right? That might be there. 
uh, from the really different kind of life situations. But I say that just to kind of encourage you as well that if you do remember that moment when you followed Jesus, that it's also a process. The goal is, is Christian maturity, but we, we, we want to become like our rabbi, Jesus. We want to imitate him. We wanna follow his every move. Like, like we, we, as his students, as, his, as, as, as apprentices, we want to copy the master. We want to be like him in, in every situation, right? Like that's our goal. And as, and as we become more like Jesus, that, that is what Christian maturity is. But, but we wanna see our rabbi. We wanna see the way he lives and we wanna follow and imitate him in that. And so how do we do that? I mean, we, we read his word, right? We see who he says he is. And we immerse ourselves in him. And we get, and, and we think differently in our, in, in, in how we live, it becomes different. He transforms our, our mind and our heart, right? That's what we want to live for. And so it's a process as well. So if some weeks you do find it difficult and, and hard to follow Jesus, just remember that he's not done with you, Right? And that just to encourage you to, to want to imitate him and be like him. And lastly, um, I actually just want to kind of talk a little bit about what is the cost to non-discipleship, right? I'm going to go to uh, Mark 10. And there's this other story, right? Where, where you see the, the story of when he's calling like the first disciples there and they drop everything. They leave everything behind. They leave their past and uh, their social status, their family structure, everything. They leave it behind to follow Jesus. There, there, there's this other story, um, <laughs> which is famously known as the, the rich young ruler, right? When he approaches Jesus and you know he knows who Jesus is, he's heard of him. I guess he's probably pretty impressed with Jesus. And he asks Jesus questions. Now Jesus also invites him to follow him, right? Jesus invites this man to follow him, but when he realizes how much wealth and possessions he has, he goes away disheartened. Like, I can't follow you, Jesus, because look at everything I have. I, don't, I can't give this up. I've worked hard for this my whole life. But then Jesus goes on because afterwards, like Peter's like, uh, Jesus, yeah, that's pretty tough. Like, look, look, look at all the stuff he has. But, um, you know, we left a lot to follow you, right? What do we get? <laughs> He's an honest guy. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this life, Houses, brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. That's amazing. If you're at some point in life right now where Jesus is someone that you've considered, but you think that the cost is too high, that maybe it means changing what you're living for, 
Maybe it means changing everything about what you do. Maybe it means changing your career entirely. Like in whatever he's calling you to give up. I just want to remind you that, that Jesus actually says that they will receive a hundredfold in this life and more in, 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 the, in the life to come. Like in the moment when Jesus is calling you, you might think like, I can't, like you're trying to think through the logistics of what it means to, to follow Jesus and maybe what you have to give up. And maybe you will lose family, maybe you'll lose friends, maybe people you know, will think you're crazy and they don't wanna to talk to you anymore. But you see, there's this, there's this aspect of being a family, right? And a community of, of believers and followers. And so if you lose family, you're gonna gain so much more. And Jesus is gonna take care of you. Like there, he, he promises that even in this life, right? You will actually receive more. That's amazing. And not only that, but when the rich young ruler goes away from Jesus and thinks, I can't sell my stuff, I got everything. He's missing out on the treasure that's right in front of him. Like, have you ever thought sometimes and you read through the gospels and, and there's these really peculiar moments. It's like when Jesus is with the woman at the well and he's approaching her and it's like, well, you know what? He's probably should be like parched and like really thirsty, right? <laughs> and he asks her to, 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 to bring up water so that he can have a drink. But at some point he turns her and says, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink. And you're like, what? Like, they're the one with water. And he says, no, but I have living water, right? Like the treasure is right in front of even the rich young ruler at that point. And he walks away from everything that when he really comes down to it, that his soul is craving for. The, the beauty and, and everything of what he really wants in his life is right in front of him and he walks away. And so I'll remind you on that note as well. When you go back to Mark um, you know, 16, uh, chapter one, verses 16, you immediately even see the greatness that will become of Simon and Andrew, James and John. Because before they were fishermen, right? And you see that they are, they are going to become fishers of men. They're gonna become like the rabbi, right? They're gonna become like Jesus. They're gonna imitate him. So I guess, what do we do? Like, how do we uh, respond to this? How do we respond to this? What, what, can, we, we, can, what can we take away from this? I would say if, if you've never followed Jesus before, if you've been considering him or if there is something attractive uh, about him to you, right? But you consider like maybe all the kind of logistics of, well, I don't know how that's gonna work out. I don't know how it's gonna work out with my family. I don't know what my friends are gonna think of me. I don't know what does that mean for my job. And oh, like, like why does it change everything about my life, right? I just wanna encourage you to, if he's calling you, like go to him. Because you will find something even right now um, of just huh, immeasurable wealth in, the, in, in knowing who Jesus is. 
And that you're gonna, in, in that journey and in that process of following him, even in, in that first stage of like maybe you don't even think you know what you're doing, that he is gonna love you so much. And he is gonna teach you to be just like him. And then that's the prize, right? I mean, in life, we don't, we don't wanna be alone, right? Like we do look for comfort and, and, and we wanna be known, right? And talk about being known by, by the one who created you, right? Who knows you by name, who knows everything about you, every single detail. Like, and think of how amazing that is. I just wanna say, like, sometimes in life, we do go through some kind of hardships regardless, right? Even if you, if you don't know Jesus, right? There's something so amazing, right? With knowing that you don't have to go through life alone as well. And this isn't some kind of like made up thing. Like this is an actual Jesus. This is an actual person. This is the risen Jesus. Who will fulfill you in in, in amazing ways. And he'll give you everything that, that you don't even know that you crave. That's this Jesus. So I would invite you to just go for it. And you will not regret it, right? If you, if, you, if you go on to go through the gospels and, and you learn more about like what it was like to follow Jesus, like the disciples didn't regret it. Yes, they go through some difficulties and hardships, but, but they realize and they, and they know certainly that this is all worth it. This is, this is what they've been longing for their whole life. It's the rich young ruler that goes home that goes away deeply saddened because he passed up on Jesus. So, I mean, for us as Christians, right? <laughs> How do you respond? It's, it's, I don't know if this is lame, but it is kind of like, what would Jesus do? You, you, you wanna be just like Jesus and kind of like, every sphere of your life, right? You don't want any part of your life to not be influenced and, and, and touched by him. And you do wanna go out because you're not going out making disciples of yourself. You're not going around and, 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 and trying to like showcase yourself and telling people like, you know, be like me and follow me and, and be my disciple. No, when, when you're, you're not doing that. You're inviting people to be alongside this journey with you. And it's looking to Jesus and saying, I wanna be like you, Jesus. So I invite you to, um, you know, I guess the gospel of Mark, like track with us through this uh, series because we're gonna go through it. And, it. and it is, I guess, a shorter gospel. It gets really to the point on things. If you, if you don't know who this Jesus is, then come, uh, we invite you here to explore this with us. And for the ones that know him, right? Like I leave you with this, I'll go to Matthew. Um, I have it right here, 28. And Jesus came, came, came and said to them, all authority in heaven on, and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so, this process of, 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 of apprenticeship, of discipleship, is this lifelong process for us as believers, as, as Christians, uh, to imitate 
and become like Jesus, our rabbi. And for others who are following other kind of ways of life or other goals or people, um, I invite you to follow Jesus because he will never let you down. Those other things will crush you in one way or another or you'll end up seeing that it was empty and it will take everything from you. So I guess on that end, uh, we will end there. (laughs) And so I'll pray for us. Father, just uh, thank you for calling us. Thank you for bringing us together and even to to bring us here today to just learn about you and and hear um, from you. Father, I pray that you would make us um, more and more like Jesus, that we would find encouragement um, even in these times that we would want to imitate you and that that would change everything about how we live life, that would change how we uh, treat people, that would change our our day-to-day living, that that would make us generous like you are, God, that that would change the how and the reason why we work and how we work and that we would just live in integrity all the days of our life, Lord God. We want to be like you, Jesus, and we want to share meals and, and times with you and with others. So Jesus, I just pray that you would invite people to you um, and that people uh, would read about you in their word. If they have any questions or doubts about who you are and they don't know who you are, Jesus, I pray that you would put on their hearts that they would take those first steps to just read and to know about you. Uh, we pray these things in your name. Amen.